EMDR, for people that don't know, is um, eye movement desensitization and reprocessing. There's so many misconceptions about it because supposedly in 12 sessions you can be healed. It's, but it's not like that. And it's most of the time you have to get to know somebody's story. I need to know everything about him before I'm going to go there because I need to know, is there going to be a body reaction? Is mm-hmm. he going to start shaking? And I'm going to be like, oh my God, is he, is he, you know, is right, he having right. a seizure or is this part of the body sensation? Right. I need to know, is he going to start sobbing? Is he start going to start like flailing his arms? Yeah. His fist, so angry. I need to know all that before I even start different parts of EMDR. So part of EMDR is your story. And everybody's always like, no, I want to get to the eye movement stuff so that we can, like, get through this. And it's like, but that's not, that's just a part of it. Right. It's one piece. It's one piece. And what Ambrose is talking about, the, the safe, uh, they, people don't like calling it their safe place, so zen zone, happy spot, yeah. whatever you want to call yeah, yeah. it. Basically, you use imagery. And so what you're doing is I had the tappers, and it's constant. It's keeping him in the now with the tapping in his hands. And so what's happening is, is that it's bringing him to a place that he can actually smell the salt water. You can hear the seagulls. You can see, you can feel the spray. You can feel the sun. You can smell the suntan lotion. Like bringing all of that, that just feeling for you up when you're in those stressful moments. So that when I'm actually going through the trauma with people, they can go to that space if they need to. Right, right, right. And they don't get stuck in that feeling. Because, you know, when you start trauma therapy, I call it my pile of poo. Mm. I'm not going to dig at the bottom of your pile of poo when you can't even function on the top of the pile. Right, right. Like, we need to dig, we need to get coping skills first before we dig down into your poo. It's like like an onion. Like, we got to stop, we got to start with this top layer first. Right, absolutely. So. Because once we bust that onion open, (laughs) boy, we all going to be here crying. (laughs) Crying. But it's, it's hard because it's like, you know, I think in some aspects, men are easier to work with than women when it comes to mental health. Because I can see that, though, because we're very stair. I think they say, like, well, I mean, we're like stair step. It's like, okay, find the problem, fix the problem, move on. Right. Men are fixers. We want, you know the problem. Okay, there's a problem. Let's fix it. Right. I need to process through the problem. I don't need you to fix my problem. Right. I just need you to let me process it through. And then I'll work on it. Kind of, like, kind of like a guide. Just guide me through Right. I just need the you situation. here. I don't need you to fix it for me. Yeah. And that's when with couples therapy. I loved it. It was so fun. Ooh, <laughs> a fly on the wall in that I uh, know. <clears throat> but that, okay, so then that, that does, because we were going we to talk about trauma so and, and get more into that. I kind of, I think that feels, I, I feel like that really leads into just addressing the trauma and maybe like some of the questions. I do have one. We're not going to give anyone's name away. Um, no, put just on blast. <laughs> We're just doing this anonymously. So I had someone send a question in for you, and they said, uh, why do I dissect guys? Keep in mind, this is a male that's okay. sending in the question. Why do I dissect guys? I swear I study guys. As soon as I see a reminder of my past, I disengage. Why? So I guess... Why is he dissecting the guys that he's with? Okay, so I have to preface this. This isn't therapy. So this is just what I would do with my client. Part of what we do is it. you have to go back to yourself. Go back to the relationships that you were, when you were a child, you were around. It's kind of, how can I say, the attachment. There, so there's an attachment theory. And in this theory, it talks about if you have a mom 
that is very standoffish. You become what they call anxious attachment because you're trying to constantly show her love to be like, I love you, mom, so that mom will love you back. And mom gives you a little bit but doesn't give you a lot because she's very disengaged herself. Or even a dad. If you have a dad that's like super, like, I can't be around you. I'm working all the time. I don't want anything to do with you. That Look, this is what I'm doing for the family. I don't need to be around you. Right, right, right. So we go for people that are familiar. So that anxious attachment style, what happens is, is that we feed into that. If oh, somebody wow. disengages from you and you have an attachment style of anxious, you will go and try to prove to them that you love them. I'm going to prove to you that I love you so that you'll love me the way I want to be loved. And so what it does is it triggers every little part of our anxious attachment style. Mm -hmm. The avoidant attachment style is like, oh, God, I love you, but get away. You're too needy. I can't handle you. You're needy. Too much. And so through our attachment styles, we tend to go after the people that remind us of comfort. Even if it's unhealthy, we will go to it every time without question. Right. So once you find out what your attachment style is, you can look back and see, okay, so this is where this came from. Then you know your red flags of if this is triggering this in me and I'm feeling needy, this person's triggering me because of the red flags that they're bringing up from my past. Do you think it could be like an emulation thing? Because so you have a kid that whether they have a good relationship or bad relationship with their parents, the grandparents will be like, you're just like your daddy or you're just like your mama. So do you think that maybe these tendencies to do things that with his partners that he saw from his parents Mm -hmm. and he's emulating like, you know, maybe, I don't know, his mom was his main parental figure and she was very critical of his father or maybe she was very critical of her significant others. So they I know what you're saying. Like she's dating and she's... He sees that what she's like, oh my god, he's he pulling away, job, or he's, yeah. oh my god, and so like when he, he does this or he don't have that, and then when he meets someone, he overanalyzes them, and, and when he sees, I guess, similarities to the past relationship, relationship that he was in, mm-hmm. he's like, I don't want to go through that again, even though it, it might not be the same pattern, right? It could just be a similarity, right? But you're pulling away, right? When I tell people, I I actually have this exercise that I do. Sounds really bad because sometimes there's a lot of pieces of paper, but you take a piece of paper and you don't put their names, one, two, three, how many real relationships you feel like you've been in. Put a line right down the middle, right? All their good qualities that you saw in them because clearly you were with them. You saw good qualities. Right. Then write down all their negative qualities. So then you fold the paper in half and you put all the negatives together and then you circle all the words that are the same. Oh, my God. Those are now your red flags for any relationship you have. Oh, wow. Then you look at all the positives, and you see the ones that you attract. That's what you want, but you ignore the red flags. To get that. Right. Mm. So I I have, and oh, my gosh, sometimes people are like, because they get so, like, taken back of, oh, my God, I date the same man. That's like my dad, or that's oh my like God. my mom. I was going to say something that was going to get us canceled, but I ain't going to say it. But it, it, you know, it's 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 heart wrenching sometimes because it's like, oh my God, all these things that I was seeing, I'm dating the same people my mom did, or I'm dating the same people my dad did, or wait, now I'm analyzing this person because they said this word and it reminded me of that person. Right. So it's looking at yourself and saying, okay, what red flags will I'm willing to put up with? 
I hate men's feet. I don't know why. I just hate men's feet. So one like, my, period. Period. I can't, they freak me out. I don't know. I mean, you know, I'm not a feet person either. <laughs> so my problem. <laughs> I mean, no, I'm not. It's not like a deal breaker, but like I'm not gonna have a foot fetish anytime soon. Like well, ever. Okay. And my thing is though is that I had to come to the point like not everybody's gonna get pedicures. Not everybody's going to go manscape their feet. Nobody, you know, and so I had to like, I called it lowering my standard to, to be like, okay, so, you know, there are going to be guys out there that, you know, walk around in flip flops and sandals and whatever, and their feet are going to be a little rough. I needed to be like, okay, that's my stuff, not theirs. I can't hold that against them. So it was a red flag of mine because for some reason in my head, if you had rough feet, (laughs) you just didn't want to talk. I I don't want to talk. I can't do it. Yeah. I can't do it. And I was like, wait a minute, wait, what is that living? Because nothing in my past that I can think of would remind me of that. Like, there's no reason. Right. And I was just like, well, maybe it's because they don't take care of themselves. If you have bad feet, oh, yeah, why right. are you? And I'm like, wait, wait, no, that's not real. That was right. just something that I was associating with that feature. Right. All right. Okay. But if you look at all the positives, and I, and I tell people this all the time, put all the positives down on a piece of paper. Because when you focus on the negative of people, that's what you see. So if you are with somebody and say, you know, one of your red flags that you see in all of them, one of them is, is that they never have a car. Well, if you're living downtown New York, you really don't need a car. Right. So even downtown Dallas, you don't need a car. Right. You know, so it's okay to, like, check that one off your list for right. that. Because... Okay. It makes sense. Or if you're dating somebody and they have that one quality, you're like, my God, I love that quality. That's my favorite quality. Right. And so you hone in on just that quality and then all these red flags you ignore. So it's really understanding your red flags. What is it on your unhealthy side that you attract? There's a reason for it. Right. Okay, so no, that makes sense though. I, I see what you're saying. So I guess he would need to more so deep dive into like your cycle analyzing all these things, probably because you're focusing on just the red flags. Right. Take some time to figure out what those red flags are and then from there maybe be able to better adjust like I guess giving some leeway for new partners and not being so critical, I guess. Maybe. And I mean, they may not be the same. Right. They may just have that quality, you know, like right. you said, bad feet. They may have bad feet, but they're always clean and fresh right. and they have cologne on. So right. it's right, not right. an issue. It's they not, just, right. Yeah. It's just one of those things. It's a flag, but it doesn't necessarily allude to that. You're going to have the same outcome. Right. As you did in the past. Absolutely. Okay. Okay. But it's also, I mean, everybody's different. Everybody's no, different. True. Because there's some things that I'll put up with that I know other people wouldn't put up with in a relationship. I'm not an easy person to be in a relationship with. Look, I'm a therapist. I'm all about communication. Right. And if you struggle with communication, we're going to struggle. Right. Because I'm all about it. I have to remember not everybody's as open as I am. Right. To being able to communicate as much. And like, I've had people say, I don't, you don't need to know everything. Well, I kind of want to. <laughs> right, 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 right. I, I want to. So, I mean, it's it's learning, like, okay, what are the red flags that technically may not be red flags? Mm-hmm. And focusing on, you know, if I'm going to analyze this person, what am I projecting? I'm projecting something about me onto them. Right. 
because otherwise I wouldn't be analyzing them so much. You wouldn't even be looking at the red flag in the first place. Right. Right. But once you recognize your red flags that are the similar in every relationship, those become the red flags that you are seriously like, I can't be with that person if they fit this criteria and have all these. Because that's a red flag. Boy, you five for five. I got to (laughs) go. I got to go. Pack it up. Get out. No, no, ma'am. Absolutely. No, right, I, I find that very. Uh, I think that helps. No, 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 it helps a lot. But Even I mean, for these me, are like, just I'm my a terrible communicator. Like I used to be a terrible communicator. Like it wasn't until I started dating Eric, which was it was way more him being patient than it was me being easy to deal with. But like I like and 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 I, and I know for a fact it comes from my childhood, just because like I grew up in a household where I was not allowed to voice my emotions if it did not match what my father wanted mm-hmm. me to feel, right? So I was consistently punished for if something happened and I emotionally reacted in a way that he didn't see was appropriate, I got punished for it. Right. So I learned growing up that it's like you just bottle up whatever it is that I feel and don't talk about it unless it's accepted. And as I got older, dealing with like other people, friendships and relationships, I find or I found that I would stop talking to people and I would cut people off, not because necessarily they were a bad person or they were, uh, uh, you know, it was a bad situation, but it was because I didn't want to have to talk about my how I felt. Right. Right. Or I didn't want to I didn't want to have to cross that 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 conversational thing over I have to set a new boundary because it was like, you know, I wasn't allowed to have boundaries as a kid growing up. It was you do what I say when I say mm-hmm. how I say you don't you don't have a say your emotions don't matter. It's what I want. And I found that it was easier to just be like, all right, we're not gonna be friends no more versus, hey, you're doing something that is making me feel a certain way. We need to change things and talk through it. But it wasn't until, like, I was in a situation with, you know, Eric, my current boyfriend, where it was like, he's like, no, we need to talk about it. And I'm like, Right, what? am I going to like, trouble? I'm like, wait, like, what? what's going to happen? Yeah, yeah, it's like, it's like, you know what I mean? I'm like, wait, talk about it. I was like, okay, I was like, uh, you know what I mean? And it was one of those things where he's like, no, nah, then, then, like, my defense mechanism comes over where, where it's like, no, nah, you know, F that, you know, and I'm being, like, really ugly because it's like, okay, it's going to be easier to just, like, piss them off and make them not want to talk about it because mm-hmm. then I don't have to talk about mm-hmm. it. And then it would just be like, he'd be like, no, you're not going to talk to me like that because we're going to talk about it. And I'm like, oh, he's really, he's right? good. He's good. He's it's good. like, oh, he's good. And then, um... You know, I had to finally just come to the come to that grips and look in the mirror and be like, dude, like it's 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 okay to talk about these things. Like it, you know It's okay to communicate. Yeah, it's okay to 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 voice your emotions. There's not gonna be a punishment for it. And that's just so crazy to me because like I look at like him here, he has this consistent issue and maybe he doesn't or has maybe he hasn't processed that he's holding on to some type of past trauma or right. some type of past experience that he hasn't dealt with internally and he's using this over criticism as a safety net mm-hmm. with every new person. It's oh, absolutely. Like, it's it's, it's a coping skill. That's my defense mechanism. So I do. Like, I don't have to get close. His ugly feet, man. He might bang twice a day. <laughs> and just go have ugly feet. It's okay. That leads us into the next question, really, because you were talking about how you don't like to talk about anything. Another question that we had was, what can you do to encourage men to speak about mental health? A lot of times, um, it's women will be like, he needs go therapy. He needs go therapy. And when I talk to men, 
They're like, well, I don't got a problem. I'm like, well, you might not have a problem, but what's happening is causing a problem. So I'm not going to, I mean, the first session I see somebody, I have to do an assessment. So I literally have to ask you your entire life story within 45 minutes right? and then diagnose you because that's what insurance companies do. They expect that within that short of time. So I'm trying to get all of your stuff, but I'm also reading your body language. I'm looking at you and seeing, are you avoiding me with your eyes? Are you intently listening to what I'm saying? Are you giving me stuff or am I having to pull from you? And so through that, I can kind of tell what they're saying and how their upbringing is and what they're about. And it's, it's an easy way to be able for me to transition with guys there. Yep. This, 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 bam, done. Right. Okay. Well, my biggest pet peeve is as a therapist to say, well, how does that make you feel? Uh, I know. However, every I time have, I hear that, I'm just like, <laughs> I want to. You're slap one it. of these men. You psychoanalyzing. <laughs> you're one of these men that don't want to talk about it. I used to be. No, no. I used to be that guy. I would have came in there and be like, I'm gonna tell you everything in 15 minutes. This is the problem. Right. Now you fix it. Right. And so what I will say is, okay, wait a minute. These are the actions. This is what you're telling me how you reacted. But where's the emotion? Mm-hmm. Give me that emotion. It's kind of like saying, tell me how that makes you feel without right. saying that because I want to know okay so every action we have has a reaction from either somebody else or from us right. every time somebody else has an action we, we have, have a, a reaction. reaction to it it's about how you react and if you're reacting in a very unhealthy way then that's going to ch- that's going to change if we can work on looking at, okay, so you're reacting this way. And if I go in, when I go in with a lot of times with the guys, I'm having that, okay, show what's been going on in your life. I don't think I've ever started a session where I've been like, okay, well, tell me, tell me how, the, how you feel today. Right. Well, you're in friggin' therapy. It's not puppies and rainbows. Right. So I'm always about, okay, so how was your week? So what's been going on? Mm-hmm. Um, when it comes to men, my boyfriend was the same way. He's like therapist or bleh. like. Yeah, right, right. I mean, my parents, for Pete's sakes, were like therapist. You want to be a therapist? He wants to be a therapist. They suck. Thanks. But they're actually very great. Right. But, okay. And so it, it took me a while to, you know, even with my boyfriend, I'm like, uh, well, you know, I'm a therapist. I don't give advice. I give different perspectives have you tried this? Have you thought of it in this way? Mm-hmm. And so I'm going to out myself here. I will say, Oh my God, I had a client today and I'll tell him about this client. I don't talk about my clients to him, no. but I talk about his stuff right, right, right. without him knowing right now he's going to know, but so what I do is I'm like, and he'll come back a couple days later and be like, I was thinking about that client you were talking about. Mm-hmm. And like, it really made sense and resonated with me. And so if I change this, then maybe that will happen. A, a derb. But I, a lot of times I can't, I'm not going to tell people, Hey, listen, you need to try this. Cause this is going to work for you. Right. I'm going to say, Hey, I what about especially this? with men. I don't. I don't feel like. Well, because that's telling you what to do. Yeah, and that's a men big don't like thing to be told men. what don't to do. Don't tell me what to do, even if I know what you're saying is right, and you're. T- but the fact that you had to tell, tell me, me to do it, oh I'm not doing my it now. God. Yeah, absolutely. Now I'm not doing it. Now, I'm doing it. now you're gonna wait. Take the trash out. So nope, what would be the best week. advice for someone that um, uh, wants to talk to their spouse uh, and their male or? 
um, wants to talk to their, you know, even if it's a new relationship and yeah, you may see some red flags, but you really like that person and maybe you, you can get them to get some Mm -hmm. help. Um, you know, because honestly I have, um, friends that have been in this situation where it's the guy's way or the highway, Mm -hmm. you know? So how, how can they feel comfortable or what would they do to start that dialogue with men? I believe, I feel, I think. No, it's one of those things that it's own your stuff, own your feelings about it. Mm-hmm. You shoulda, coulda, wouldas, that's just going to get you nowhere. That's going to get a fight. That's broken communication. Right. Effective communication is, you know what, I feel like we've got some disconnect somewhere. Instead of saying, you should have done this, or right. you shouldn't have said that to me, or you did. Right. Okay, I get it. Yeah. Like, I feel like there's a disconnect somewhere, and I really want us to work. I believe we can do it. But we might need to talk to somebody to like, you know, third person to get a different perspective because my perspective and your perspective are different. Mm -hmm. And maybe we need a third person to kind of give us a different perspective. And that's great because you didn't say anything about therapy. You just told them that you need a different perspective. Right. It's all in the way that you present it. I I feel, I believe, I think. And it's... I've had a, had a client tell me, well, I believe she's being a bitch today. And I'm like, well, that's not really <laughs> what I was talking that's about. Okay. <laughs> that's a good start. Right. But I mean, not... at least he, he expressed his feelings. Right. Not me. So, <laughs> so I'm like, right, I get that. Don't tell her but, that. Right. Oh, no, she was there. <laughs> Never mind. Oh, okay. yeah, yeah, it was a fun session. That was mm. um, but, I mean, it, it, all in all, it's like, it's not putting it to the sex. It's not men, women, like, you need you need help, you need therapy, you tell me what I need. I'm, I don't care if I'm a therapist, you tell me what I need, I'm going to tell you where to go. Mm-hmm. Right, you don't, shove it. Right, you don't know me, right. you don't know my story, so you don't yeah. have the right to tell me what I need you to do. Even I've never understood that too, though. Like that's that you have to have a really big. I mean, and I get a lot of times like whatever, but like to tell somebody what they need to do, like it's just like, dude, like you don't know all the aspects behind why somebody makes a certain decision. Right. You may disagree with it, and right. I mean, I, and I think that we all have the right to say, especially if it's like a significant other, a family, or friend, to say like you disagree with something, but to try to tell somebody like, like how they're supposed to fix it, or tell somebody right. like. You know, like, you know, oh, well, you would be better if it was, you don't know that. But like, you know what I mean? Like, that, that to me is I guess suggesting so it is, is a better way because if yeah. it came at you like, hey, you think maybe we should try to do this and, and right. see if this may help, you because know, if it's different. I'm a fixer. If I'm a guy, I'm a fixer. Mm-hmm. So why are you telling me what I need to do? I already know what need we need to right. do to fix this. I just have to figure it out. Because most of the time... Then why, ain't, why it ain't fixed then? Right. That's what I've been like. That's what, why it ain't fixed then, fixer? Well, and this is the thing, because you're coming at me as I need to do something. Mm-hmm. So you're telling me what I need to do. So you know my emotions. Right. You're telling me what I need to do. And most of the time it's like, no, we just don't know. So it's, it's coming at it and saying, I feel like there's something, there's something not connecting with us. Right. I want to connect with you. Like, I care enough about you that I want to connect with you. Maybe we need to look at a third a perspective. Way, yeah. So it doesn't even matter if you're male, female, you know, uh, you know, identify as non-binary, right. whatever the matter. case may be. Right. It's how you deliver what you're wanting, wanting to accomplish with right. them. Because in my couples, my, for my couples, there is no more shoulds. Shoulds, coulds, woulds need to run mm. away. Right. The word can't does not exist. Right. 
I'm either choosing to do something or I'm choosing not to. Right. And that way then you're taking those out. Then there's accountability. Absolutely. On both parts because it's not. I'm owning my emotions to what's going on. Yeah. And now you have to own yours because you got to meet me halfway. But there you go. You just said the have to. Do you Uh, know what I mean? So, uh, yeah. So it's like I feel like if I'm going to own my stuff, I would really appreciate it if you could help and own your stuff too. Okay, okay, I see what you're saying. That's so that okay. I'm not telling you, you, you really need to own your shit. Oh, yeah, <laughs> like, yeah, yeah, okay. Because if you tell somebody you need to own your shit, they're going to be like, mm-mm. I mean, I, wasn't, right. I, mean, I guess I was, I'm looking at two people that are actually have already crossed that road of we're going to try to try fix it. this together. Mm-hmm. But it's like, it's almost like the hypocriticism of it. It's like, well, well if, if I do it first... You know what I mean? If I do it first, then I feel like the other person, if they have committed to saying that we're going to fix this, then they, I'm not going to say they feel an obligation, but it's just kind of like, it's going to be hard for them to say no at that point. Right. Because it's like, well, damn, you did it. And I said that I wanted to work on this. So like, I feel like they're in a position where it's like, well, I got to emulate. Like, you know what I mean? Like, I got to, mm-hmm. I got to come meet you halfway. Right. You know what I mean? Well, not and, like me saying like, you have to do it because I did it. But, right. Well, know. and a lot of times, so we get unhealthy patterns. Mm-hmm. And I attribute that to, think about the Depression era. Alcoholism, drug use, abuse, all that stuff was valid back then. They just didn't talk about it. Right. You have these people that grew up with unhealthy coping skills. Mm-hmm. Having children and trying the best they can, but not necessarily having the best of coping skills to teach. Right. So then that that keeps the generation, generation, right, next and next generation. generation. And so... Girl, the black community still dealing with that. <laughs> we talked about that. We don't go to therapy. We pray to the Lord. Well, and I get that a lot. I don't need therapy. Well, I'm not saying you need therapy, but at least I'm somebody that's not going to yell at you. I'm not going to judge you. you and you're going to listen. I'm not going to send you to hell. Right. You, uh, you can come in here and tell me anything you need, and that's Okay. I might throw a perspective out there. I might say, hey, have you tried this? Right. Because I've had people every time, have you tried? Yes. Have you tried this? Yes. Have you tried this? Yes. Well, how did it work? Because it didn't. So tell me what happened. Mm -hmm. And they get frustrated because they're like, I just told you it didn't work. Well, you can tell me all day long it didn't work, but what happened to make it not work? Or did you not even try it? Then that's the case most of the time. Most of the time that's the case. It's like, because they're putting, up that, they're putting up that boundary because they're not ready yet. Right. And I've told people, I don't think you're ready for therapy yet. I think that you need to, you know, I said, in, my, in, my per, in my perspective, I, I'm fighting you to help you. Mm-hmm. And in therapy, I'm supposed to help you figure out what you need for yourself. But you have to want to you, go through that process. And you also have to participate. I mean, that's part of it is I, and I, and I have teenagers right now. I have a couple transgender female to male, um, that I'm working with. And one of them, it's like every time I talk, he still oh talks to me. Oh my God. He still I talks to me. I'm so glad that you brought that up. <laughs> I'm so glad that you brought that up because, oh my God, this is one of the biggest topics that have really just wrecked my brain over the last, ever since. The whole transgender movement like hit the waves and everybody's been jumping on board with it, right? Mm-hmm. So well, I'm obviously, excited about this. Oh no, this is just because <laughs> it irks my nerves, and like I want to talk to someone like you who's like a professional in the thing to 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 because if I'm wrong, then I'll shut the hell up and I'll leave it to go. Right? Two plus two is four. If the, if I'm putting out five, then cool, I'll move on, right? So I look at and I listen to 
a lot of transgender people talk about like how they felt and who they were before they transitioned mm-hmm. and then what they gained by going through a transition. Right. So in a lot of these cases, and I'm not saying I've done some extensive Harvard study, but I'm just saying in a lot of the stories that I've heard, what I have heard them voice as far as their emotions and their mental state and the things that they want to accomplish by becoming transgender have nothing to do with their actual gender. It has to do with characteristics of their personality. It has to do with skills that they need to acquire as a person. It has to do with work ethic, right? Like one uh, girl was like, you know, uh, I knew I, she said, basically she said that she wanted to transition. She knew that she should be a boy because she wanted to be looked at as powerful. She wanted people to re- to respect what she had to say. She wanted to be looked at as strong. And, you know, it was all these things that were, you know, character building blocks. Mm-hmm. It had nothing to do with the gender, right? It had nothing to do with, you can be looked at as strong as a female. You can be looked at as having a powerful voice, but there, there is a character role. There is skill building. There are accomplishments that you have to, cross over and do and be and have before you can just walk into a room and have somebody automatically think that of you. Right. Now, as a female looking at a male, yes, we live in a society that at face value because of science is going to say that the male is stronger, has a powerful voice, whatever the case may be. Right. So for me, I feel like where do we draw the line that this person is actually needing to address like mental health and personality and character of them as a person just needing to put the work in versus thinking that like, okay, I can just change my gender and it's the fastest route to getting something that this other gender Mm -hmm. just automatically has. And the reason why I say that is, is I feel like we're coming into a phase with transgender identity and non-binary. We're coming into a phase where it's like 30 years ago with depression, anxiety, and thing. It was like, we don't talk about mm-hmm. it. It's not a thing. Like, we don't talk about it. Now, I feel like we're doing the same thing with transgender people in a sense of, it's like, God forbid, you're the one person to say that you, you don't need to be transgendered. You need to work on getting the skills and abilities to get what you're trying to accomplish, not just trying to take the fast route right you know what i'm saying because then you're gonna get to your 10 you're gonna get to 30 and realize that like oh crap this was just about me wanting right because you're not happy after right so like is that i mean am i overstepping i'm not i'm not a i'm not a therapist i don't have all that background knowledge but am i overstepping and thinking that some of this transgender wave is overlooking mental health and overlooking bad coping and also over also overlooking maybe like I want to say I'm not gonna say I don't wanna say laziness, but I just wanna say like are, are are we overlooking the fact that this that some of these people are so caught up in gender roles that they're not able to really process the fact that what you're trying to get also takes a certain level of accomplishment and character building to get. It's not just your gender that defines that. Right. So I when I worked for the hospital, for the HIV clinic. Right. Um, I worked with a lot of trans male to female. Right. And none of them, they had already transitioned, like, way past right. seeing me. Right. So I would talk to them about, you're coming to me for your depression, you're coming for, for your anxiety, 
And what it ended up stemming back to was I hated who I was as a person. So when I'm working with teens today, I'm working with them on, I, we can't change your gender right now. You're, you're 14, 15 years old. Right. Surgery's not going to happen until later on. Right. We, so outside is what, it, what you've got right now is you're outside. Yes, you can change your clothes. Right. And there's certain things you can do with your hair. Let's work on you. Right. How do we love you as a person? What kind of a person do you want to be? Do you want to be that strong person? Guess what that needs? We need to build your self-esteem. We need to work on you okay. as a person. Your gender is not who you are as a person. It's part of you, but it's not all of you. Okay. She'll work on that. Now, you'll have therapists everywhere say very different things. Like they need to embrace being, you know, a, a female to male, male to female, right? Whatever, whatever. be, and it's like I get that, and I think that's great. I'm going to embrace. I'm going to use your pronoun that you want me to call you. Mm-hmm. I'm going to acknowledge that. I'm going to call you the name that you want me to call you. I have no problem with that. But who are you as a person? Right. Let's let's love who you are, because if you love who you are, your gender, if you still you want to change that gender, because some people in their core feel I am in the wrong sex. Right. I get that. hundred like, percent. I would be devastated. I like being female. So to right, me, right, I'm right. like, I mean, you know, yeah, right. and, 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 and I don't want to negate because I do think that there is a large part of the community that is just it, it is a thing that, that they are just they they need they to need, be yeah. that other gender. Absolutely. But, and, and I've heard stories where that is what it is. Right. You know, I mean, I look at somebody like. And I don't know if this is the best example, but I look at somebody like Bruce Jenner, mm-hmm. right? He had all the successes that you could have as a man, but still wanted to be a female. In the case with him, where it's like... His heart of hearts, he wanted to be female. His heart of hearts, right. I feel like he wanted to be a female right. because yeah. he went... And, and, and I know we can't say, like, everybody has to go through their whole life and figure it out. But, like, he went through an entire life of accomplishing things, establishing health, and it learning who it was. For him, it, it wasn't, wasn't enough. enough. But if you're going into a therapy session and you're saying things that are more based on your personality and your character as a human being, then I don't think transgenderism is necessarily the answer because it's like, think about how, think about Hillary Clinton. When she walks into the room, she has more power and respect than a lot of men. She didn't have to become a man to get that. Right. Right. So I just feel like. Sometimes with children or younger adults, they get so wrapped up in gender identities, thinking that changing their gender is going to get them a fast track to an identity that is just actually something that they need to work on themselves. Because, I mean, you know, there's plenty of men that walk in a room and they're, you know, they're not looked at as powerful. And it's vice versa, too, because remember um, on a show we watched, uh, RuPaul's Drag Race, there Mm -hmm. was... Uh, transgender female to male, but oh, yeah. she wanted to be a drag queen, so she turned herself female, female in drag, and it's just like I don't, I don't have a problem with anybody being who they are. Uh, you know, that if that's what works for you, that's what works for you. We're all coping in some way, right. but like, what drives a person to have that type of mentality to where I'm female, I don't like it. I want to be male, and now I want to be a female entertainer. So if you have, you've, you've got to look at it as take out the gender. It is about my self-esteem. When I'm in drag, I'm, I'm going to, I'm confident. That's who, that's my persona. That's who I want to be. 
I had a dry queen. I worked like he he would he taught me how to walk. He taught me how to do yeah, bunch yeah, of yeah. stuff. <laughs> like, right, right, okay. he, I mean, he he would come in with makeup. He'd do my makeup, and so I would acknowledge him as female when he was dressed in drag. Otherwise, he was male. Full. Right. I mean, he was in a he committed partnership with his husband. Like great guy. But when he was in drag, he was in drag. And that was his persona was female. Okay. Because in his head, this is who I am when I'm confident. So it's a part of him. Mm. So he feels a part of him. Sometimes when you feel that you need to have a, you know, a mask, to, so to, to speak. To project that. To project what you really want. Because if I feel like I need to be male, and then... As a male, I'm cool, I'm, I feel good as this, but I also have this other side of me that is like flamboyant and like queen. Yeah. That needs to come out too. So if I dress in drag, I will feel better. That part of me can come out. How does that process when you were, I mean, in oh. essence, you were born with that queen mentality and ability to express that feminized that you weren't born with the mentality you were given as a child your parents helped or whoever helped whoever raise you raise you um helped build your self-esteem or didn't build your self-esteem and then there's childhood trauma there's you know school trauma all comes into play here so it's not just one factor there's so much involved in it so, so it's basically we're in over our head thinking about this because it's just like it. It's kind of one of those things where you you cannot relate to it unless it is happening to you. Absolutely. Because I tell people that all the time. I say, you know, being Latino gay man is is hard. Just like being a gay black man is hard. You know, it, it's hard, and and straight Very. people do not understand, understand it. No. You cannot understand something that you have not been through. So right. until you say that, then you know that's why I say I don't. I'm not. I'm. I'm gonna allow them to be who they are, and respect them for that. 100%. Because I haven't walked in their shoes, so Absolutely. I can't tell you how to live your life. I just wanna understand, you know, so that we can all be on the same page, and I feel more comfortable with. It's usually self-esteem. Things that I say. Yeah. It's usually. I, I it, that's it that's my to. big thing. Is I just don't want. Because we're at a stage now where they're letting kids change their gender I at know. eight. And for me, I'm like, okay, if there's the science and all that stuff to back it, cool. Uh, I mean, because I haven't gone that down that rabbit hole. But what I look at is just so, from the few factors of, one, they haven't hit puberty yet. So the odds of them even understanding a huge portion of their gender identity is going to, I personally feel, may come from their sexual desires i feel like that is a very big part of what defines like our gender and our sexuality how is a kid at eight gonna really be able to process that it's i want to switch genders when they haven't even had puberty yet let alone you know something that's extreme and this is extremely complicated because there's so many layers to you know a female who transitions into being a male but then wants to be a female drag queen, I feel like, was it, and then that goes back to my original question of, is like, was it that they really wanted to be a male or was it that they just weren't confident at an early age as a female? Well, you but only, right, but and only like, they she had would that know that. Self-esteem or confidence, right. maybe she would, maybe it wasn't that she wanted to be male. Maybe was she always wanted to be a queen. Maybe that's all it was, but she just wasn't confident at that younger age because she didn't have the character development. Right. She didn't have the 
the the family structure. She didn't have the 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 the, the social settings, right, to be confident in herself as a female. So it's almost like, you know what I mean? She's like she did extra work just to right. come right back to being confident as a female. Right. Like, do you see what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. So like but that's what that's what I'm trying queen, to meet you. But if you think of a drag queen, do you know one? Drag queen that is an extra. When you're a drag queen, you are a persona. Oh, there, no, it's, yeah, a, it's, it's a, a whole phoenix a, rising but moment. In normal society, and I'm quoting normal because I don't think Which there is, is a real normal. Which is debatable. It's right. in quotes. Right. Air quotes. So, in normal society, if you go out and drag every day, is that acceptable? No. Right. So, if I can put that part of me out there and be there... How awesome is that that I get to do that? I get to have that part of me, but still feel whatever it is I'm feeling. If I feel comfortable as a male, mm -hmm. and but there's still that part of me that's like, I need to be out, you know? And it's like, you get to do that. So, and it, my thing is, is so where's your self-esteem? Mm -hmm. Let's look at the mental health piece to this. Right. Where's your self-esteem? Most, most of the dry queens I know of are super, super amazing with self-esteem when they're in drag. Oh, yeah, they like the, they light up the room. And they're then like sometimes the when I see them and they're depressed because, you know, I'm just, I don't have a lot of friends unless I'm in drag, I don't do this. And it's that depression piece. It's that, that sadness. So it gives them an outlet, kind of like working out. If I get to get in drag and I get to critique my makeup and get my makeup to be the best I can, because there is a camaraderie in being oh, a drag it's a whole queen. community. Yeah, and it's like so they will help this. you teach. Do you, think, do you think for this individual, being in drag is different for them mentally than being a female? Absolutely. So they see that as two different things. Right, because it's, not, it's not about their sex. It's about the persona. So because, that, that I mean, there's been... There's, I'm thinking, like, okay, if you enjoy being in drag and that gives you your confidence... Right. Well, if you were born a female and stayed a female, you literally get to live in drag your whole life. You get to wear makeup, have wigs, you get to wear dresses, you get to be, you can be that prima donna aspect in every aspect of your life versus having to turn it on and turn it off. Unless they like the male aspect sometimes. Absolutely. So that's what I'm missing. So they like the male aspect of their, I guess, day-to-day -day life. Right. So, they, okay. Okay. Because if so you're living as I, male, I guess that's what I'm missing. Right. If you're living as male, and you're enjoying your life as a male, but you still have this persona part of you that you can't express in any other way, mm -hmm. then go and drag is going to help you fulfill that need. Express it. Okay. I got you. Okay. So, okay. and then it's like with the teens, I I struggle sometimes working with the teens. Because I'm like, is it about their self-esteem? Is it about childhood sexual trauma? What is, what's going on here? Right. And, you know, now I guess. That's my question. Is, is there a line in the health community where we can say, okay, this person is dealing with trauma and mental issues that need to be addressed, not they need a transition versus, no, this person really needs to go through this transition right. to feel whole is there a line because i'm seeing right now you you cannot in any if you even question a kid on transgenderism and telling them i don't think this is a good decision for you you get shunned they even have schools i believe in california where 
kids can go to school and tell their, you know, school board or the principal or a counselor, my parents won't allow me to transition, and the school will set them up with doctors to do it without the parents knowing. And I'm not saying every parent in the world is a great parent, and I'm not saying every parent in the world is putting these boundaries on their kid because, you know, it's from a good place. Some of it might be religious back. Some of it might be political. Some of it might just be their own personal belief system. But I feel like we're going... We're going in a direction where if there is no foundation or level of pushback, what's going to happen 40 years from now when all these kids or, or young adults even were allowed to do this transition and now they realize they made, they, they made the wrong decision? Well, and that's where it's, it's all individual. And, 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 and I'm yeah. with that. Yeah, it is. I'm, honestly, I'm, it's all individual because it, there is there something in the health community that is is trying to manage that. So that is a good question because I don't know. Okay. Um, <laughs> you know what I mean, because like if a kid I, just goes to the, the doctor's office today and says, you know, I want to change my gender, like. Can a doctor just be like, cool, you got health insurance? All right, bet. Get well, on the table. and it's, it, and see, but that's also, that is an insurance thing too, because everybody's insurance will. It's different. Right. Okay. So part of it is, is that when I work with the trans community, because, oh my gosh, some of them, I'm like, girl, you look better than I ever did. Great, get good. <laughs> I'm like, they oh my God. So my you. thing, <laughs> my thing is, is let's love who you were. Because a lot of them will say, I hate who I was. I want that person dead. And ah. I don't like that person. Wow. And my thing is, is wait a minute, that person helped you to get where you are. Yeah. That person survived whatever it is you went through in your life to get you where you are now. Mm-hmm. So we have to look at that person and love that person. If you can't love them, at least appreciate them for the fact that they got you where you are today. Yeah. They're part of that growth. Right. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's a hard thing for somebody to hear of, I have to like the person that I didn't want to be. Because it's like they helped you get to where you are. That person inside of you helped you get to where you are now. They're still in there. They're still a part of you because they helped you transition. They helped you get. And that goes for anybody. Our kid self is still inside of us. So it's like it helped us. Whatever coping skills we had as children, whatever trauma we went through, those were survival skills that we had that worked at the time. Yeah. So it doesn't, you know, it doesn't matter your gender. We all have those coping skills and it's trying to figure out the best way to work for you. I have, you know, there's so many people of all economic status that I've seen Mm -hmm. and the principle is the same. I use these coping skills to survive whatever it was I went through that in my head was traumatic. Right. And now I'm trying to figure out a way because it's not working anymore. Those Mm -hmm. coping skills are no longer working. Most of the time that's when people come into therapy is because their skills are not working. Whatever it is that's going on, that whatever they're trying to use isn't working anymore. So I'm at a loss as to how to help me. So I need somebody else to To help help me. me. Help me. Right. (laughs) 